Hold your Bible, hold your cell phone, whatever you're reading from. Stretch out your hand, lift it up, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will radically change. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Still talking about every prayer answered. Amen. And we started off by uh, talking about uh, the prayer of meditation. In fact, we discovered through reading scripture that Ephesians chapter number 6 verse 18 says, pray in all kinds of prayer. So we discovered that there were different kinds of prayer in the word of God and that these different uh, kinds of prayer, more like the different sports we have in the world, are, you know, regulated by different uh, guidelines. Amen? And uh, if you try to play volleyball using uh, soccer rules, you may be able to play, but you're not going to get much success from it. Amen? Similarly, if you don't understand that there are different kinds of prayer that are governed by different uh, guidelines in God's Word, you may not get much success. We discovered that this is the reason why people pray. Because when they prayed, they didn't get results. So their lightning fast mind told them prayer doesn't work and they stopped praying. But that's not so. If you pray according to God's word, God will answer every single one of your prayers. Amen? Mark chapter number 11 verse 24. Hunt your neighbor and tell them complaining is not praying. It says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Hold on a minute. Watch what it says right there. It says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So, when should you believe that you receive them? I didn't hear that. Did you see what it says? It says, when you pray, here's what you should do. You should believe that you have received them. When should you believe that you have received them? While you're still in the prayer closet. Well, Pastor T, I'm only going to believe when I see it. Well, you're not going to see it. Because the formula says, whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, here's what you should do. You should believe that you receive them. And when you do, here's what happens. You shall have them. Two things. Simple. All you have to do is to believe that you received it and you shall have it. Now, a lot of people used to get tripped up reading this verse uh, when, uh, you know, the word of faith, I think it's called, uh, movement started. They would read this verse. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever thing you desire. And they would have all kinds of wild desires. And just spell them out and say, I believe, I receive. That's not what he's talking about. Where he says, in fact, there was a woman, I think in Arkansas, Texas, who said she wanted to marry Kenneth Copeland. But that violates other parts of scripture. Because Kenneth is already married. Amen? Or he may not want you. (laughs) So when he says, what things soever, let me draw your attention to the word things. 
The word things there is in the Greek rematos, which means the promises of God. So essentially what he's saying is, whatever is promised, or whatever from the promised list you desire when you pray, or whatever from the menu you desire when you pray, or whatever in the new covenant you desire when you pray. You can essentially go to the word of God and pick the desires of your heart based on the finished work of the cross. And he's saying, whatever you desire, as long as it's appropriated for by his grace, if you believe in your heart that you have received them, while you're still in the prayer closet, here's the net effect. You shall, notice it didn't say there's a good chance. This is not Russian roulette. You know, he didn't say, you know, there's a greater probability that you will get them. No, he says, if you do this, you shall have them. And the lawyers here will tell you, the word shall is a legal term. He's saying there is no other way. If you do it this way, you're going to see all your prayers answered. Man, that's awesome. I love it. But what this means is, you need to have the ability to uh, uh, operate in the spiritual realm, using spiritual principles, particularly on this prayer. Today we're talking about uh, what is known as the prayer of faith, uh, commonly known as the prayer of petition, or the prayer of asking. How do you ask for stuff from God? First of all, you must find it on the menu. If it's not on the menu, it doesn't matter how much you pray, it doesn't matter how much you cut yourself, it doesn't matter how much you fast, you ain't getting it. People would read this scripture, whatsoever thing you desire. I desire to rob a bank and never be caught. You ain't getting it. You know why? Because it's not on the menu. Amen? So it's whatsoever things that have been appropriated. Whatsoever things that have been given uh, by the finished work of the cross. If you desire any of those things, all you have to do is to bring your faith to it. And the Bible says you shall have them. Question. How many of you are ready for a question? If you are a well-mannered person and you went to someone and say to them, may I please have uh, some money? And they say to you, uh, I will give you one million rand on Tuesday. What would be your appropriate response to them? I didn't hear that. But you don't have the money. Come on, talk to me. But they said, so you're standing on there? It's the same thing. If you truly believe that you, should re- you have received it, while you're still in the prayer closet, here is the evidence for it. Thank you, Lord. You want to know whether you believe you receive? Check your thanks giveometer. <laughs> Just came up with that word. Let us go now. To Philippians chapter number 4 verse 6. And here's the deal. When you delight yourself in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4. It says delight yourself in the Lord. And he, the Lord, will give to you the desires of your heart. So when you find delight in God. In fact, if you read it in the Good News translation. It says seek your happiness in the Lord. And he will give your, you your heart's desires. So if you want your desires to be guided by God, all you have to do is to find your happiness in the things of God and in the kingdom of God. 
I remember 2004, man, I was on fire for God, uh, just had started uh, speaking in tongues, and uh, man, a revival broke out with the young people uh, at a school about 200 kilometers uh, out of Harare, going to the, I don't know, to the east, I think. Yeah, going to the east, Manika land. And man, I would go there every Friday. All I wanted to do was to just do the things of God. And I think Lloyd may have come on one of those trips, or a few of them actually with me. And the revival broke out, and the whole school just came to Jesus. Everyone was just radical and on fire for Jesus. What happened? How did I get that desire? All I did was to delight myself in God. And in his word. And when you delight yourself in God and his word, he will in turn begin to give you the desires of your heart. And I've been like that ever since. Just delighting myself in the Lord. And he has been giving me desires to write books, desires to preach the gospel, desires. You don't have to go for the desires. All you have to do is delight yourself in the Lord and the desires will come. And by the time you're praying the desires, guess what? They're already in God's will anyway because he's the one who gave them to you. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter number 4 verse 6. He says if you pray and believe, you shall have these things. Amen? Watch what he says in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer, by prayer and supplication, with. With what? I didn't hear that. See, your request should always go with thanksgiving. True Bible faith gives thanks before the manifestation. See, anybody can dance after the storm. Anybody can say thank you when the thing is manifested. Anybody can. It doesn't take faith. An atheist can say thank you, God, if they get a new job. Anybody can give thanks after the fact. It takes faith to stand in thanksgiving before the thing you're praying for is manifested. He says with thanksgiving. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, accompanying it should be thanksgiving. Make all your requests known unto God. Amen? Colossians chapter number 2 verse 6. Well, Pastor T, I'll thank him when I see it. Well, you're not going to see it. And listen, thanksgiving is not a technique. It has to come from the overflow of your heart. You have to be sincere. You have to find thanksgiving somewhere in your heart, knowing that the one who has promised is also faithful to bring it to accomplishment. Amen? Colossians chapter number 2, from verse 6 to 8. Watch what it says. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Next verse. Rooted and built up in him, established in faith, as you have been taught. Abounding therein, abounding therein what? Abounding therein faith with thanksgiving. You want to abound in faith? Check your thanksgiving. He says you abound in faith through thanksgiving. See, when thanksgiving is in your mouth in abundance, then faith accompanies it. But when complaining is in your mouth in abundance, then doubt accompanies it. Amen? I said amen. amen. It's getting quiet in this uh, Presbyterian 
church. So believing is a big part of this prayer of petition. By the time you come to God, you should already be in faith. Amen? And don't pray for faith. What did we say? If you pray for faith, what are you using? Because you need faith to get something from God. Amen? I said amen. Let us go now to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, but without faith, it is what? It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Without faith, it's not going to happen. Impossible simply means not possible. Whatever you're trying to accomplish without faith, let me help you before you even start. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God, what's the next word? Must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want you to see something interesting here. He says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he didn't say, for he must come to God. Did you see it? What that means is, you don't have to come to God. You could go somewhere else. You have a free will. We are what are called free will moral agents. You have a choice in the matter. You can go to your friend. You can go to the bank. But I would highly advise that you go to God. Amen? And he says, he who comes to God. So let's assume now you've made a decision to come to God. The game changes. He says, for he that comes to God, M-U-S-T. Now you must. You must. You don't have to come, but if you decide to come, then you must believe. The word must is a divine imperative, or it carries a divine necessity. You can't come any other way. You must. He who comes to God must. I was saying in the first service, you know, one of my friends uh, was visiting us, uh, preaching here in South Africa, and uh, they were scheduled to fly back to the States, and I think their flight was at 9.30 p.m., and they were on Delta. And Delta said, when they gave him the ticket. Uh, uh, they said, you need to get to the airport uh, four hours prior to your boarding. And then when he got to the airport, he got a boarding pass. Anybody know a boarding pass? That little thing, that is all the information that you need. And part of the information that was on, on the boarding pass was, you need to get to uh, your gate for check-in at like 7.30 p.m., you know, to board. So he, you know, he was clowning around, hanging out with friends and just having a coffee and talking and, you know, one thing led to another and he realized, wait a minute, this is now 7.30. So he sped through the security, sped through uh, uh, immigration and he got to the gate and they told him, unfortunately, we will not be able to let you on the flight. And he said, why? And they said, look at your boarding pass. We told you that he who wants to fly with Delta 200 DL at 9.30 p.m. must be at the gate at 7.30. You came at 8.45. Therefore, we will not be able to let you in. And he says, Pastor T, I saw people going on that plane. 
I saw them baking out the, the bird. <laughs> he said, I saw it. Go on the runway and take off. He said, I saw it with my eyes. And I told them, man, I'm supposed to be on that plane. And they told me, no, we can't let you. He said, why? He said, because you didn't go by the boarding pass. It's the same thing here. He says, he who comes to God, M-U-S-T. You can't change the name of the game. You can't change the rules. You, Pastor, I'm just going to fast. No, he didn't say he who comes to God must fast. Fasting is great. I fast a lot, but that's not what he said on this formula. Do you see it? He says, he who comes to God must believe. Well, Pastor T, I'm just going to cut myself. No, that's not going to work. He who comes to God must believe. He wants you to believe two things. Number one, that he is. That he exists. And number two, that he is a rewarder. Not a taker. Not a destroyer. He says he's a rewarder of them that diligently, not haphazardly, not sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're nowhere to be found. Those that diligently seek him, he will reward them. So you must establish your faith before you come to God so that by the time you come to God, these two factors are intact. The Bible is very clear. He who comes to God must believe. You must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of they that diligently seek him. In other words, you must believe that God is good. Yeah, that's right. Amen? And how does this faith come? Let's help you with this. How does this faith uh, come? Romans chapter number 10, verse 11 to 17. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to answer your prayer. Prayer is not some mystic thing that he has given us that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. No, prayer works all the time. It says in verse 11, For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. In other words, God is ready with an extravagant abundance to answer your prayer. It says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They shall be sozoed. They shall be prospered. They shall be delivered. They shall be healed. But they need to call in faith. Watch what it says in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? They can't. So the believing comes before the calling. Did you see it? And he says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? So you need to hear before you believe. Do you see it? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And this is where I get my job description. Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good Gospel of pray, of peace the, that bring the glad tidings of good things. And it says in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. In other words, they have not responded by faith to what has been taught. For uh, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every word that you hear either carries faith or doubt. Words are containers. They are not just empty 
you know, breaths of, of air coming out of your mouth. They are containers that either carry faith or doubt. If you want to receive word faith, if you want to receive faith in your heart, you need to receive the word of faith. The word of God which carries faith. Can I get an amen? amen? So it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you hear the word of God right now, your faith is building. Someone once said, uh, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God, you're not going to believe for it. It's like if a rich man uh, left a will for you. Who's the richest man now? Bill Gates? And they left a will for you and they said, from today onwards, half of, your, of their estate now belongs to you. Someone say, praise the Lord. Amen. I'll take that. Man, I'm telling you, that will not benefit you if you never hear about it. Man, you'll be busy with your mortgage yeah. <laughs> every month. If you don't hear about it, guess what? It's not going to benefit you anything. But hearing about it, just hearing about it, is also not going to benefit you much. After you have heard, see, that's the difference between believing and faith. Believing is in your heart, and faith is your action. The Bible says in the book of James, a man believing, it doesn't matter. Even the demons believe and tremble. But the, the demons don't act on it. That's the difference. Faith is when you act on what you believe. And I always use this as an example. If a frail man walked in here, he's so frail, uh, he's about to pass out. And we ask one of the doctors to take a look at them. And they tell us, you know, Pastor T, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's just malnutrition. He needs to eat something within the next 30 minutes. And if he doesn't, he's going to die. And then we run around, you know, we preach health, we preach prosperity, we send someone to go grab some food, they bring the food and bring it before him and we proceed to ask him a question. Do you believe that if you eat this food, you'll live? And he says, I believe that if I eat this food, I'll live. I believe I can fly. <laughs> and we ask them again, do you believe that if you eat this food, you will live? And they say, man, I believe with everything that I have. I believe from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I believe. 28 minutes. Do you believe that if you eat this food, you live? 29 minutes, 55 seconds, 57, 58, 59, 30 minutes, and they drop dead. Question, what they believed? Was it correct or wrong? How come they died? It's the same thing. It doesn't matter what you believe. Everybody believes that God answers prayer. What do you do with it? How do you act on that knowledge is what matters. Man, you've got to eat the food. You've got to partake. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter number 2, verse 6, Now that you have received Christ, walk ye in him. Act on it. And as you do, you'll begin to grab a hold of his grace. Amen? How does this faith uh, work? Let's go to Galatians chapter number 5, verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, you start praying this way, you'll begin to see all your prayers answered. <laughs> Galatians chapter number 5, verse 6. It says, For in Jesus the Christ, neither circumcision 
availeth anything. No uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Did you see it? He says faith, now that you've realized how faith comes, how does it come? It comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Here is how it works. Now that you have faith, how do you work it? Because it doesn't matter, you know, you're having faith and not knowing how to work it. Now, saying in the first service, I drive a bucky, and uh, it, it happens to work by fuel, petrol, 93 or 95, unleaded. It doesn't work really well when I try to put water in the tank. I wish it did, but it doesn't. The manufacturer prescribes that the engine works by petrol. So I put diesel... It's not going to work. Similarly, now that you have faith, the supply of faith tells you how it works. The fuel for your faith is love. Say that after me. Say the fuel Fuel. for faith faith. is love. love. Now here's what's going to blow your mind. He's not talking about loving your neighbor. That's all right. You, You need to do that. But that's not what he's talking about in this verse. He says faith works by agape. That's the word. And agape, the only person who can love in the realm of agape is God. So what is he saying? He's saying faith begins to work when you know that God loves you unconditionally. And that's the best thing I've ever ever preached in all my preaching life. Faith begins to work when you know how much God loves you. A lot of people have a problem with that. People don't have a problem with God loving the nation. God loves the nation. God loves the neighborhood. God loves my school. God loves my neighbor. God loves my life group uh, 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 friends. God loves, but God loves me? No, pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, the word agape means terms and conditions don't apply. And it's the only way you can start approaching God with boldness. It's the only way you can start having your prayers answered. It is when you know in your heart that God loves you unconditionally. It says, for faith works by unconditional love. Faith begins to work. Man, it strips away all condemnation. It strips away all limitations when you know that God loves me. Not because of what I have done, but because he is love. What manner of love is this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends? What manner of love is this, that God would give his one and only unique begotten son to you and I? What manner of love is this, that the father is mindful of you and me? When you start receiving that as a revelation. Man, I know we have it in our bumper stickers and we have it on our our fridge magnets. God loves you and we've almost devalued it to a cliche. Man, God loves you is the most pivotal, most powerful revelation that can change your faith life radically. I was talking to a couple uh, in San Diego, an older couple, and they said to me, what's the most important revelation that you've ever received from God's word? And I told them, they were expecting me to say something deep like, 
uh, uh, Ginosko or something, you know, the, the, the word of God and progressing into Gnosis. I told him, I said, the greatest revelation that I've ever received from God and his word is to know that he loves me, watch this, unconditionally. And that there is nothing the government can do about it. There is nothing no one else can. There is nothing Satan can do about it. God loves me, Tafara, unconditionally. And when I got that revelation, man, my faith went to another level. It began to work. You know why? Because I moved from the realm of trying to convince an angry God. And that's where most people are praying from. They're praying from a position of trying to convince an angry God who does not care about what they're going through. And it's hard work. That's why they do all these religious gimmicks. You know, I was at a conference, a leadership conference, uh, last week uh, on Tuesday, and this pastor used to be a, a Hindu, and he used to wake up every single morning, and he would bring uh, yogurt, you'd bring all kinds of delicacies to the Hindu God to try and appease him so that he could answer his prayers. No, God is already self-motivated to answer my prayer. I don't need to bring him cookies. I don't need to bring him yogurt. I don't need to bring him nothing. He says, when I, all I need to do is to realize that he loves me unconditionally. And when I do, my faith begins to work. Man, that's a powerful revelation. It will change your prayer life. It will change the way you approach God. See, 90% of my prayers is just thanksgiving. Because before I ask, I realize he's already moved. Father, please get me here. He's already moved. I gave a testimony last week. Before we even prayed and fasted about getting a new slot, God gave it to us. You know why? Because he loves us unconditionally. So what did we do when we went to the prayer closet? Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for just, you keep on doing great things. But when you think God is on the defense, waiting on you to suffer enough before he moves, your prayer life will be different. Father, look at what I've done. Man, you'll bring all kinds of stuff to try and convince him. That has nothing to do with it. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go in closing now to 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse 15. Let me show you what kind of prayer you should be praying. And what kind of realm you should be looking into. Second Kings chapter number 6 verse 15. Just a quick uh, summarized, uh, epitomized version of what's going on here. Is that uh, Elijah, Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha uh, is the prophet in the nation of Israel. And there's the Syrian army who is the opposition, the enemies. And every time harvest season comes, uh, the Syrian armies would come into the land of Israel and plunder the land and just you know, kill everybody. So uh, uh, Elisha is in the land at this time, and every time they set up perimeter to try and ambush the children of Israel, uh, God would give it as a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom to Elisha, and Elisha would tell the king, the king, hey, the enemy is coming in and he's going to come in through the west and the east and the south and the north, and then the children of Israel would set up an ambush and ambush the ambush. So the king of Syria thought there was a snitch in the camp, so he went back and called all of his aides and he said, guys, there's someone who's snitching on me. There's someone who's telling the king of Israel everything we're about to do. And the man said, no, there's a prophet in the land. And that dude sees in the spirit. And everything you do, even the stuff you do in your bed chambers, better known as the bedroom, he sees it and he hears it and he tells it to the king of Israel. That's why they see us 
all the time. So the king of Syria said, you know what? I'm going to go and capture him. Now I'm going for the prophet. I want to get the prophet first, then I'll get the nation. So he went and he, uh, uh, surrounded the prophet. And uh, while he was surrounding the prophet, here's what happened. When the servant of the man of God, I believe this was Gehazi, was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? That's not how he said it. He went back running in panic mode. He says, Master, <laughs> we are finished. Today we are going to die. <laughs> it's a mess. They are here. Not 10,000, not 15,000, a host, over 100,000 surrounding us. This is where we get the song. It may look like I'm surrounded. But no, I'm not surrounded. I'm actually surrounded by you, by my help. Watch what happened. Next verse. And he said, fear not. Man, I want to, see, if you're carnal, everything else that Elisha says is ridiculous. I'm surrounded. There's about 100,000 people surrounding us. We are about to go down for what you've been doing. And the first thing you say is, fear not. Not only that, it gets worse. For they that be with us are more than they. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand, eighty-nine thousand, nineteen five thousand, ninety-nine thousand, a hundred thousand. One, two. Read it again. Say that be with us. Are more than they that be. What are you talking about? Next verse. And Elisha prayed and said, Man, it gets worse. Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. Question Was the guy blind? Is this blind Bartimaeus? No, this guy could see. But Elijah knows this guy is seeing the wrong thing. That's why he's confessing destruction. See, if you see the wrong thing, whatever you see will inform your mouth on what to say. Man, if you see victory, guess what? You will receive victory. If you see the promises of God, and if you see the world through the promises of God, you will see victory. But if you see the world through the newspaper, it's going to blind you to the promises of God. Do you see it? He says, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Someone say he saw. <laughs> and behold, the mountain was full. Someone say the mountain was full. The mountain was full of horses, chariots, of fire round about Elisha. Question. When did the 
uh, 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 go back, go back to that verse. Go back, go back to that verse. When did the mountain become full of horses and chariots and fire? When the young man opened his eyes? No. Them dudes were already there. Hunt your neighbor and tell them your help is already here. Now hunch them and ask them, are you going to look at it? Or you're going to look at the problems? Because if you look at the problems, it will affect even your attitude. If you look at, listen, I'm standing there. If I was the, this dude went from, I lost my master, we're going to die to, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm seeing we're winning. Amen? In a moment, based on what he was looking at. Some of you, the reason you're depressed is because you're looking at the wrong thing. Man, when you start looking at the right thing, there's an attitude that comes up. Yeah! Man, you wake up and look forward to Mondays. Yeah! Give me another Monday. Give me another week. Man, piece of cake. But if you're looking at the Syrian armies, oh man. If you look at the newspaper, man, you're going to look at South Africa and, oh man. Let's move to America. And then they put something out in the newspapers as well. In America, it will follow you. Oh man. Let's move to Australia. Move to Australia, man, it will follow. Man, you need to start looking at a greater reality than the reality that surrounds you. You need to start looking at the finished work of the cross. And it will change your demeanor. It will change everything about you. That's where praise comes from. It will spring forth out of you, unforced. When you look at the greater reality, when you look at the victory, it may look like you're surrounded. But the real deal is, you're surrounded by help. That's right. Amen. What's actually surrounding you is help. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Whenever you see uh, 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 enemies around, you know that there is a greater help around there. And if you choose to look at the greater help, you win. But when you look at the Syrian armies, you lose. So he prayed. Elisha prayed. Next verse. And he said, uh, uh, Lord, this eyes thing seems to work. He said, Lord, I pray that you blind them. Strike them with blindness, these Syrian soldiers. And they were struck with blindness. And Elijah seven said, drew out his sword and he said, Master, shall we kill them now? He says, no, don't kill them. Let's feed them. So they took them to the city, fed them. And the servant came back. Go and read it. He said, now that they are fed and well fed, shall we kill them now? <laughs> And Elisha said, no, we're not going to kill them. We're actually going to send them back to the Syrian nation and tell them of what they witnessed today. So they sent them back, fed them, and sent them back. And they went, those people, they went back professing that their God was a strong God, that their God was a good God, that their God was for their defense, that their God was a strong tower because of what they did. I came to tell you today that God is a good God. And God is not out to get you. God is not the one sending seasons of desert, of drought, of, to try and test you so that when you come out of it, you come out purified by the fire. No, that's not God. That's the enemy. 
Let's read uh, James chapter number 1, verse 17. May as well kill this sacred cow while we're at it. James chapter number 1, verse 17. Watch what it says. It says every good. Someone say good. Man, that's awesome. God is good, and he's good all the time. He says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God is not schizophrenic. God is not good and bad. God is 100% good. He's not the one making the road, you know, uh, uh, crooked so that he can train his children. You know what? I mean, that's the dumbest doctrine I've ever heard. That God is the one sending you problems to try and purify you or train you. It's the dumbest doctrine I've ever heard. And yet, it's growing and it's prevalent. The Bible is very clear. God uses his word to teach his children. In fact, Jesus walked the earth, and the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 3, he was the exact, someone say exact, says he was the exact representation of the Father. If you see Jesus, you have seen God. Now tell me, at what point in Jesus' ministry did he put leprosy or something on someone to teach them a lesson? At what point does Jesus use circumstances to train people? At what point? I mean, he had several perfect opportunities. One is in John chapter number four. Samaritan woman. She's a bad woman. Bad woman. She had five husbands. Five. Not two. Not three. No. Five. And Jesus says none of them were his. Bad woman. Terrible woman. Instead of, it would have been a perfect opportunity for Jesus to strike her. With the triple leprosy. Just, just, bam! You need to let. She needed the, the most. She was a bad woman. But you know what he did? He extended grace. He says, woman, you are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And she went and changed the whole city. Another woman was caught in the act. Not as a gossip. In the act. <laughs> this is the real deal. She was caught, brought before Jesus another great opportunity to strike her with leprosy. Just bam. Take her out. But you know what he does? He tells the ones, man, he has the audacity to tell the ones who bring her to condemnation that they are the ones who are wrong. He says, if any of you who brought her here, hasn't sinned, pick up the first stone. I know you were setting them up, but you pick up that stone, you try to throw it, it's going to come back. <laughs> he says, why don't you pick up the stone and hit this woman? And guess what? All of them walked away. And he looked at her. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He's not promoting sin. He says, go your way, but don't sin. But what does he do? He extends grace. And God, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God is love. And when you catch that revelation that God is love, and when you catch that revelation that only good flows out of God, your faith will begin to work. You have to catch it. 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Only the goodness of God comes out of God. Amen? God is not condemning you. God is extending his love. And the only way you can function in faith is when you come to a full revelation of how much God loves you. Man, you'll stop with all the religious garbage. You'll stop with all the waking up at uh, uh, midnight and doing all those, reciting all those things, praying through a a bead and trying to appease God. Man, you'll stop with all that stuff. And go to God knowing that he has welcomed you. And going to God and knowing that God is good. And he's extended his unconditional love to you and me. The rest of us, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight.